Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch, where we take a closer look at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I am also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by the CBG Trails app, which is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Stevie Kramer is a world-class runner, but her life definitely does not include many of the stereotypes that that description might conjure up. So I talked with Stevie about her unusual training routine, sitcoms and life lessons, how she got into trail running and ski mountaineering, and how Stevie juggles being a runner, a mother, and an educator. This was a very, very fun conversation, so I want to just kind of fast forward my way through the rest of this introduction so we can get right to it. But one thing I will say, that whole thing you're going to hear about Cuba, well, we are in fact working on this right now. Fingers crossed, and I hope you enjoy this conversation even more than watching old sitcom reruns, even ones about the Tanner family. Stevie Kramer. Fancy to be talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has to open with a confession. Stevie and I actually talked last night for two hours. Unfortunately, and, and an important part of that two-hour conversation was me making a lot of fun of Stevie for being really bad at technology. Then karma struck because an hour into our conversation... I looked over and realized that maybe I had not hit the record button. Honestly, it's probably for the best for all of you listening because it was kind of going everywhere. And uh, Stevie and I are feeling more focused now. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but an important part of the conversation when Stevie and I started talking yesterday, I happened, frankly, just checking audio levels. I asked Stevie what her favorite television show was. And she came back with the extremely unexpected answer of... Full House. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Everyone loves the Tanner family. I'm not sure anybody loves the Tanner family. Oh, everyone does. And it always ends with a life lesson. So you, you know, you end with a nice warm heart and warm feelings inside. (laughs) Is that true that that show always ends with a life lesson? Oh my gosh, I hope people listening right now are totally raising their hand and being like, yes, yes, yes. Are you kidding? Every episode. That's why it's so magical. Because you learn something every time. This morning, we learned that you should always have perseverance and persevere when things are not going your way. Like last night, maybe, if you forget to hit a record button, you just <laughs> you just come right back the next day and you hit that record button and you do it all over again. Like that kind of thing? Yeah. And like this morning, I was very tired. And so when I got on my morning treadmill routine, I persevered through my intervals because I kept telling myself, okay, I can do this. It's less than an hour. And it was all thanks to Uncle Jesse and Michelle. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Well, this is a hell of an opener. And if I... If people are still listening at this point, I really, I'm really <laughs> grateful to all of them. And um, but you know, it was a, it was a great, it was really probably one of the best initial conversations I've had with somebody. And like, what a way to meet! 
and hear a bit more about you and this very interesting kind of trajectory that you've been on. Let's go ahead and start at kind of the beginning, talking a bit, Stevie, about your background. Where did you grow up? So I was born in Germany and my family moved to Connecticut when I was about a year old because my dad was transferred with a German bank. Um, and so growing up in Connecticut, I played the you know East Coast sports of golf and tennis and soccer. And I was horrible at soccer. And I mean, horrible. <laughs> but in the winter, I, pl- I did indoor track. So that was kind of my initial taste of running. And actually, I hated indoor track. The race I ran was the 3200. And in an indoor track, it was 21 laps. So it was horrible. But anyway, I moved on to college. And the the running I did in college was just to keep off the freshman 15. And it's actually where I got introduced to kind of trail running because the school I went to, Colorado College, was right by Pikes Peak. So, you know, I ran around the trails to get to the the top of Pikes Peak. And that was super fun. And they have something called the incline, which I believe is like a mile straight up. It's become super, super popular now. And so anyway, I would do that a lot when I was in college. And then my senior year, I w- the summer before senior year, I was by myself in my house because my roommates all went home for the summer and I had an internship in Colorado. And so someone encouraged me to sign up for a marathon just to keep myself busy while I was, you know, by myself at the house. So I, my first marathon was the Boulder Backroads uh, fall of my senior year of college. And I kind of loved racing, but I had never really done trail running. It was more, you know, road running, what I was used to. And so then I moved to Crested Butte after um, college, and that's where I was really introduced to the trails, and I just loved it. So you moved to Crested Butte when? Uh, I moved to Crested Butte in the summer of 2006. Okay. And one of my favorite things I learned from last night, when you got to CB, (laughs) you said that initially you would kind of like jog up or walk up to some of the like many, this massive trail network that we were fortunate to have here but you would kind of just go up and look at those trails, not really run on those trails? Yeah, so where I live in Crested Butte South, which is um, seven miles south of the town of Crested Butte, we have a dirt road, Cement Creek Road, and basically it is an entrance to so many different trails. But I never actually went up the trails because I didn't know where they went. I didn't know how to run trails. I didn't know how long it would take. So I was always inspired by them, but never had the um, courage to to run up them. So I think it was my second or third fall that I was in Crested Butte. Um, a friend of mine and I decided to do the cart to cart race, which was um, it started in the town of Crested Butte at the local coffee shop and they call it Camp Four Coffee. And there's also one in Crested Butte South. And so it's a trail race that goes from the one in town to the one in CB South, 11 miles. We were dead last, but we came in laughing and just having the best time ever. And actually, at the end of it, I also met a friend that lives very close to me in CB South. And she introduced herself and she's now one of my closest friends. And we run at least twice a week together on the trails. So um, I definitely needed some 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 friend courage to to test out those trails. But the second I tried it, I loved it. And now I hate the road and love the trails. (laughs) 
I wish I could like, I, I want sort of a truth serum thing, except we'll call it like an anti-humility serum. Like if you were forced to just talk a little bit about some of the accomplishments, I'm also, this is also in the service of figuring out kind of your trajectory as a runner and with trail running. Yeah. So the, the thing about me is I really enjoy running a lot. There are some people that don't enjoy it. They, they say they run from the cops. It's the only time they run. I actually enjoy running and I enjoy it for the simplicity of it. I love that it's not gear heavy. Uh, all you need is a pair of sneakers that fit your foot. Um, before I became a, an athlete for Solomon, I would literally go to the store and see which ones were the cheapest sneakers. So in my, you know, I, I just wanted to run. Um, and a big thing for me too, is I always had a full-time job. So the time that I was able to run, I was always, I feel like I was always in a time crunch. So my workouts always felt very, um, good quality workouts as opposed to quantity. And I think that also helped my running quite a bit because I, if I had 50 minutes, I would take advantage of 49 of those minutes to run. Um, and I think that really helped me become a stronger runner. So I, I was running the trails of Crested Butte. I, I decided to branch out and race some local races in the Gunnison Valley, also in Aspen, in Telluride, there was a race and I just enjoyed them so much. I loved exploring new mountains on trails. And um, I love, I'm kind of, I'm not an adventurer necessarily. When someone's like, hey, let's go explore that trail. I kind of want to know how long it is, how long it's going to take me. Is it steep? Is it? And so I'm getting better at that. I'm becoming more flexible. Um, but anyway, so races, they tell you, you're going to run 18 miles. It's this much elevation. So you kind of know what you're getting into and it's all marked. So, you know, you're going to be done in 18 miles. So the idea of racing on trails was just very attractive to me. Um, and then I had a friend who was an athlete for Solomon for adventure racing. And she told me I should reach out and, and try to get a pair of shoes from them. I, I did not want to do that. There was no part of me that thought I was good enough for that, but she ended up reaching out to him and, um, they, they ended up sending me a couple pairs of shoes and, and a Solomon kit. And, um, so that was really exciting. And that was April of 2012. And I, I mean, never in a million years would I thought I would have gotten a free pair of shoes for running. Um, but yeah, so that kind of started my, you know, more serious racing career. Um, and then, yeah, in 2012, at the end of the summer, I uh, took a job in Italy to be a first grade teacher there. Um, but prior to that, I was encouraged by Ellen Miller, who is was um, helping with the U.S. mountain running team. And she told me I should try out for the U.S. mountain running team that was going to Italy in early September. And I was my parents have a house in Vermont. And so it was like an hour from our house in Vermont. And they, my dad just thought, just go for it. What do you have to lose? And I was like, uh, my pride. But anyway, he still encouraged me top four girls make it. And I ended up getting fourth. So that was one of the more exciting things for me that I had just made this team. And, um, yeah, I was going to go represent the United States in Italy. That was really awesome. And I was already going to be in Italy for teaching. So, um, yeah, so I ended up also getting asked, I was one of the very last 
uh, American women to get asked because everyone else didn't want to or was injured. But I got asked to race a very popular international race in Switzerland called the Sears and all race. And um, I showed up there with my parents um, like two days before the race. Everyone had been there for days ahead and they were head to toe in their sponsored gear. I was wearing my popped collar with my, you know, preppy outfit and my pearls. <laughs> so I did not fit in. But it was great because I had no pressure. No one knew who I was. And, and I just went out there and ran a race that for me was great. And it was my first um, drug test. And I even missed my flight back to Germany because I couldn't pee. I was uh, so dehydrated. Um, but that was just an awesome, you know, kind of welcome to the European racing scene. And that kind of set the tone for the next year to come. So let me back up just a second. What what did Ellen Miller know about you that caused her to reach out to say you should try to get on this team? She lives in Vail, and I did a couple races in Vail. Like I said, I stayed local Colorado, but I did a ton of racing in Colorado. I, I raced all over Colorado, and so I kind of met her there, and she is the sweetest lady, um, and she kept pushing me to try out for this team. But I, you know, I, I knew myself well enough. I'm not a short distance runner. And the U.S. mountain running team that I tried out for was um, like 8K, 8.8K. And that's really short for me. Um, but that's so that I met her in Vail when I did the, oh, actually it was the, the Tiva Mountain Games one year. It was awesome. But anyway, yeah. So then I did Sears and all, went back to Germany and then that week, I headed over to Italy to start my teaching in Trieste, Italy. And what are you teaching? First grade. Okay. And so, yep, we had like that whole week was, you know, new teacher orientation where teachers from around the world met up and we got trained. And at that time, my dad was still traveling around Europe for work and he so he was obsessed with my brother's hockey when Alex, my brother, was um, in high school because he was a really good hockey player. He went to college for hockey. Still, he's still a great hockey player, but he doesn't play. But so when my brother kind of stopped competing in hockey, my dad started getting excited about my competitions and running. Um, and so my dad encouraged me to do this Jungfrau Marathon in Interlaken, Switzerland. And it was the most beautiful race and he just said, you know, I'll meet, uh, we'll meet at the airport. We'll drive there together. We'll have a fun weekend because everything in Europe is pretty close. And I'm going to preface this with this story is all about my theme of staying balanced in life. I'm all about the balance, work, friends, drinking, um, <laughs> running, racing, all of it in balance. Uh, like the whole moderation is key. And so I know a lot of racers, especially training for, for, for big races, they stop drinking, which is totally fine. For me personally, I just, you know, always thought if, if I can just keep everything balanced and not go overboard to one extreme or the other, it, that's the best for me. And so the Thursday before the, the race in Switzerland was our kind of our new hire party. And I got hammered. I mean, hammered. <laughs> I woke up Friday morning and I like don't know what happened to me the night before. A horrible headache. 
Um, we had to do some training that day. And that night, I started just crying as I was going to the airport because I had no idea how I was going to run a race the next day. It's that horrible hungover feeling that you feel all day. Um, regrets and all. <laughs> anyway, I met my dad at the airport. We didn't get to the hotel till like midnight. Woke up the next morning and I just did not. The, the last thing I wanted to do was race. I was tired. I was grumpy. I just, ugh. Anyway, I, a part of it was good that I felt that way because, again, there were no expectations. And that's huge with me. And so I started off and um, I was actually probably like in the third pack back. And the way the race is, the first 15 miles is like flat pavement. And the last 11 miles is just uphill, straight uphill, pretty much. And I'm, I'm an uphill runner. That's my shtiz. That's my go-to. Um, anyway, I don't know what got into me. I don't know if like the alcohol kicked in after a couple of days, but I just got this burst of energy and it, I ended up having kind of the best results of my life at that point. Um, I was greeted by this massive bear mascot at the end and my dad and I had won this race, which turned out to be the world mountain running championships, long distance mountain running championships, which never in a gazillion years would I have ever thought that I could win a race like that. And it was funny because I, you know, all, it was a, a world championship. So, so people were invited to race. And so there was a team from the U S there and I was not invited to be on it. And so everyone's bib was like, you know, double single or double digits. My bid was like 6,952. <laughs> so like, no one was, you know, it was like, I wasn't expecting it. No one was. So, you know, the point of that story is just, I didn't give up. Not that I am obsessed with drinking, but I kept my life fairly normal and I still had drinks and I didn't cut out everything while I was training. And so anyway, so between that and the Sierra is an all race the week before that was kind of the start of my European, um, tour of racing that lasted the next that whole year, actually, while I was in Italy, my grandmother gave me her car. I don't remember what year it was, her Mercedes. And I would drive all over Europe just to races because I was so homesick for the mountains. And so I was just racing all over Europe just on my own. And then um, by the end of that year is when I joined the Solomon International team and did, did uh, sky running, sky races. Sky races. Yes. Sky races are, um, they are above a certain altitude. I want to say like 2000 meters, which is what, like 6,000 feet. Um, and they also, they're very, they're technical. Um, and they have to be a certain distance. I think no less than a half marathon, but no more than a full marathon. And so I, they have a whole series and now it's spreading all over countries have series now and, and then there's an international series. So I did that for, for a few years as well. So you mentioned that you, your kind of wheelhouse or forte is actually on the up. Yes. Is high altitude racing kind of a, another, is, can one have a second forte? Well, I, I think that's where I live. Um, I mean, I live at almost 9,000 feet, so that's definitely a benefit. Um, actually, I did a race in China. I did it two years in a row, and it started 
at 15,000 feet and went to over 21,000 feet. And um, I literally got to the airport on my way to China and called every member of my family bawling because I thought I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die of altitude death. And I was so scared. And, you know, they, you know, the, the, they had oxygen tanks along the way. It was 7K. It was so short. But, you know, when you get to that altitude, you can't really run because you can't really breathe. Um, so they had oxygen tanks along the way. But if you use them, you got disqualified. So um, it was actually a really neat race. Only five girls from around the world were invited the first year. And they, they, it was a Red Bull race, and they wanted to make it um, a Red Bull China race, which is different than the Red Bull. You've got wings, you know, Red Bull. Um, <laughs> I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was really cool. They invited five racers from around the world, and we, it was the most remote place in China you can imagine. It was probably, I don't know, <laughs> 100 miles from a big city, but it took like four and a half hours to get there because all these trucks were trying to get to Tibet. So there would just be stop trucks. Just, I mean, it was insane. It was one of the coolest experiences. And guess what? I didn't die. Super sick. Super sick. Yeah. Did you, but so did you celebrate I, by getting super drunk? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The headache was pretty bad after the race. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty painful. Um, but I, I definitely had a few sips. Um, but, but, but on that note, I just think me living at altitude definitely has helped. Even when you go to Europe and you do these races, they start at sea level and they go to six or 7,000 feet pretty quickly. But I mean, that's lower than where I live. So Yes, I think I definitely am at an advantage. Yeah. Well, thank God I live cl further up the road from you. So, you know, when you and I do run together for the first time, <laughs> hope, hope I'm, really count I'm really counting on those extra, you know, 800, 900 feet to uh, just make a huge difference because otherwise I'm, I'm pretty screwed. Yeah, I'm telling you, this running thing, this is a kind of a bra it's a braver, newer world for me. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's all very humbling and scary. Hey, but running is supposed to be fun. There's nothing, you know, when people say they're scared, you know, I get it. It's like me on a mountain bike. I am scared on a mountain bike. But running is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to create endorphins and endorphins make you happy. And so that's the point of running. And it's so simple. Anyone can do it. It doesn't matter how fast you go, how slow you go, how uphill you go, how downhill you go. It's just about a matter of getting out, getting fresh air and getting good exercise. Well, I'm still, I'm still nervous about the first run, but, uh, you know, I'm on this very cool new path or new relationship with running. And, and, uh, so it's all very cool and we'll see where it evolves and where it all ends up, but it's a very interesting thing to me right now. So you know what? A lot of times, and I, I, I know I sound like I'm uber racing. I'm like race heavy, but a lot of times for friends that they want to get into running, they just can't figure out how to do it or they're still figuring it out. I always think signing up for a race in a cool location is a great motivating factor. I don't know. I think, you know, um, 
there's this race in Georgetown, Colorado, and it's all downhill. So they call it the Slacker Half Marathon. You know, a friend and I, and she was trying to get back into running. We did it together. And I mean, it, it was it was a beautiful race, beautiful scenery there. I mean, it, it motivated her to train and get out and run. And I feel like sometimes it takes three or four or five days of running to really get into it and feel that runner's high. But I believe there really is a runner's high. Um, and then you get to celebrate after you just ran a half marathon. And it doesn't have to be a half marathon. It could be a 10K. It could be a 5K. But just like reaching that goal is such a great feeling. And just leading up to it is it like helps you as well. So I don't know. I think sometimes setting a goal for yourself in the form of a race can really be motivating. That's that was actually pretty compelling. <laughs> it was actually like that's the most because I'm honestly like, why would I sign up to run with all these people? So anyway, that was that was the most convincing case I've ever heard for signing up for things. So well, well done there. Now, thanks. Lest anybody, like you said, lest anybody think of you as like this Uber racer, or as if that's the only thing you ever care about or do when you're constantly running from one big deal race to the other. Let's talk about your day to day. What time do you get up every day? So I had a baby 14 months ago. Um, and so my life has changed a lot since then. So now my life consists of waking up. So my husband and I also have completely different schedules. And so I wake up at like 4.30 in the morning, 4.32 in the morning. <laughs> I... A friend of mine gave me her old treadmill. So I get on my treadmill and I do intervals for an hour while watching Full House. And then I get my lunch and my son's lunch ready. And then he wakes up around 6.15. And I, it's really funny, actually. I shower with the shower door open. And he's either sitting there drinking his bottle or he is putting his hands on the edge of the shower, getting sprayed with water. <laughs> it's so funny because he, he doesn't like it closed because he thinks he's locked out. Anyway, and then we leave for work around 7.15. He goes to daycare. I go to work. I get done around 4-ish, pick him up. And then if I don't have a commitment, I try to get out outside with him. I'll push him in my Thule stroller um, for like an hour, hour and a half. So some days I get two hours of exercise, some days just one. And don't get me wrong, I love playing with him. But when I put him in the Thule at like 4.30, it's his afternoon nap. So it kind of works out perfectly too. So that's, that's, my, that's my weekday schedule. And then weekends, you know, we sleep till 6, 02. And then, um, you know, he eats breakfast, we hang out. And then for his morning nap, I try to go for like a longer run, maybe like two hours or something like that. And then, yeah, we play for the rest of the day. Okay. Lots of follow-up questions here. Uh, number one, we're going to actually start with this treadmill routine of yours because it's sort of crazy because long and short, what I teased out last night, you do the exact same treadmill routine. It, th this is not every single day. It's Monday through Friday, or is this every single day? No, it's Monday through Friday. On the weekends, I try to get, I go outside. Okay. Please describe this treadmill routine of yours. Personally, I think treadmills are the most boring things ever, even if you have full house on. But I also think they are the best thing for intervals. 
Yes, I do intervals outside on trails and, and it's great too. It's awesome. However, on a treadmill, you have to you have to change the speed if you're tired, if that makes sense. And I feel like when you have to physically change this, the speed because you, you, it's too fast for you, it, it, you, you can push yourself harder. Yep. Does that make, I hope yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. For sure. I agree with that. Yeah. And so I honestly think doing intervals on the treadmill is such an awesome workout, but yes, I, um, I warm up. I, I have an obsession with twos. Like I said earlier, I wake up on the twos, like 4.32. I get out of bed on an even number. And my clocks are all set either 2.12 or 22 minutes apart. Uh, or fast, excuse me. So my treadmill routine is I start at 6.2. <laughs> and then every minute I go up 0.2. <laughs> so I go... 6 6.2, 6.4, 6.6, 6.8, 7.0. Okay, that's my warm up. And then what I do is I go 0.2 every minute after that until I get to 10.0. And then I go back down to 6.2 and then go 7.2, 7.4, back to 6.2. 7.6, 7.8, back to 6.2. So I kind of have like varying intervals, if that makes sense, just to keep it more exciting. How long are you, so like when you're you're hitting this 10.0, you're running how long at 10.0? Two minutes. And are all of these two minute intervals? Yes. Of course they are. That was the dumbest question I ever asked. Do you want to hear the kicker to this OCD? Oh my gosh, yeah. If I have to end on an even mileage and it has to have a, a two at the, fi- the final number. Like this morning, it was 8.142. So um, my follow-up question, in case you're oh, curious, why? <laughs> I don't know. I was born on December 2nd. And this is the other thing. If I have a bib number, it, I, if, if it doesn't end in an even number, I like have minor panic attack and add it together and hope that the, uh, when I add the numbers together, it's an even number. And I'm convinced if it's an odd number, I don't run well. But I have no proof of that. I can't, I can't stand by that. It's just in my head. And the weird thing is, I don't think my family's that crazy. Hmm, it's just, just you. Me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Have you ever asked for a bib change? No. Yeah, I I have some sort of I I can hold back. The only time I've asked for a bib change is when I've gotten to bib number one. That put so much pressure on me. It was like the worst race of my life. So you've you've run one race in your life with bib number one and never again. No, I've had a couple, but the the first you just time don't I like had, it. I hate it. And the first time I had bib number one, I had the worst race of my, like of my career up until that point. And again, I think it's pressure and it's pressure I put on myself, but I really think it was pressure. Mm -hmm. You don't like pressure. So let me back up just a second. I actually kind of love that the treadmill plays such an important role in your running and training. Do you have a sense of, let's say among your fellow Solomon athletes or just the quote unquote pro runners that you know, 
are you, do you think you're an anomaly with how much time you're doing on a treadmill in a given week? Because that's how you are able to get some mileage in. The thing is, most people that I uh, race against in, you know, around the world, a lot of them running is their job. So in that sense, I feel like, no, they don't spend any time on the treadmill. Because I think most people would choose to be outside as I would too, if, if I could. So, yeah. You know, we talked about uphill is a bit of your forte. Mm-hmm. If you're getting into a race and if you may do real well in that race because you tend to feel good on the uphill, is that what you would say? Like, this is why you're winning or finishing well, or do you think there's something else? And I think that might be a mental toughness, or that might be an ability to keep performing even when the there's some pretty intense suffering going on. How would you sum this up? That's a really good question. And um, I think I think a big thing is, although I hate pressure, I hate it. I get anxiety weeks before a race. I cry before getting on a plane. I get really nervous for races. But I think part of it actually helps me. Um, and it's funny because most people ask me, oh, but does the anxiety go away once you once the start buzzer goes off and I'm like, no, the anxiety goes away once I've crossed the finish line. I, I am never like, oh, I, I feel good. It's funny because I don't love racing because of the nerves. I love racing because of the people I meet, the places I get to go and the trails I get to see. But on that note, I do think that uphill is my strength. I think that comes from ski mountaineering in the winter. Um, I think that comes from Every trail in Crested Butte is pretty steep, so I have to go up it. Um, and I, I'm one of those people that I like instant gratification. So when I suffer, I want it to be over quick. So I think I just push myself really hard through through suffering. And maybe that's helped me too. And maybe it's mental toughness. I don't know. I've never really thought it was, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Okay. Well, we're going to leave it on the, at that for now on that question. I have a, I have a feeling I'm going to circle back and try to drill down on this uh, in some other, you know, say future conversations we may have. But um, you mentioned ski mountaineering, and I want to talk a little bit about um, skiing and running and sort of your relationship to those things. When did you first get into skiing? How did you get into skiing? Both my parents are big skiers, and so we grew up going to Vermont to ski, and also we do a few trips to out out west to Jackson and Colorado, and so I grew up downhill skiing. I was never great. I loved it, though. Actually, my family is one of those 11-to-1 skiers. We'd ski from 11-to-1 and take a lunch break. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, in college, we got the Vail Pass, so we always skied the Vail Resorts on the weekends. And then when I moved to Crested Butte, obviously, I, I skied all the time. But then it's uphill skiing that I really found a passion for. And um, I started trying to find something to do in the winter that wasn't always running, because again, that's where my balance comes in. I really needed something else because I didn't want to get burned out. And we started noticing people would skin uphill. And so I was a teleskier along with my now husband. He was my boyfriend at the time. And we would skin up the mountain and then teleski down. And it was an awesome workout. 
Um, but we soon were getting lapped by people on these super skinny skis and small skis. And we found out they're randonnée skis. And so that was our next big purchase. Um, our local ski store, the Alpineer, they have a Father's Day sale every year and everything's 50% off. So my husband walked in, came back with two sets of everything. And that next winter, we started ski mountaineering and just skidding up the mountain and going down. And then we started entering in, in all these ski mountaineering competitions around mostly Colorado, some, you know, New Mexico, Wyoming. And then we actually, the year I went to Italy in 2012, 2013, I competed in a bunch of World Cup ski mountaineering races and was part of the U.S. team for Worlds in France. So, yeah. So you took to uphill skiing pretty well. Yeah. And I think I love the uphill. I love, I love suffering. I love that feeling. Um, but I also think that's what helps my uphill running. Um, although it's different muscles, I think it just, it works you a very similar way. So it's such a good compliment to running. At this moment in time, and I think these things are subject to change a bit. Are you kind of more into the schemo stuff do you still kind of, is it still about the running for you? Is it truly a 50-50? I think I love running until it starts snowing. And I love skiing until the snow melts. It's like a perfect 50-50. I definitely, as soon as the snow starts falling in November, I'm ready to start skiing. And I'm ready to start just skiing up the mountain. Um and then the same, you know, come end of April when the snow is melting and the dirt is showing, I get so excited to run again. Um, but again, when it comes back to everything, a part of me still, I think, has a little bit of a little more love for running because of the simplicity of it. You know, I have to drive myself to the mountain. You hope your bindings don't break. You hope your boot doesn't break. Whereas running, you just hope your shoe doesn't come untied. And Solomon's shoes don't even have ties. So it's perfect, <laughs> you know? So I, I really do, because when I, and especially when people have a lot going on, whether it's kids, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, you don't have a ton, like, you know, by the time I get to the mountain, it's 25 minutes and that's another 25 minutes to drive home. That's almost two hours with an hour of it in the car. And I hate driving to exercise. I like when I'm ready to go, I like to just go. Um, and so that's why, again, there's a part of me that still has a, a really strong love for, for, for running. Yeah. As somebody who tests gear for a living, when I'm done well, I seem to sort of never be done testing ski equipment. I mean, we tends to be a year round activity for us here, but, uh, when it is time to quote unquote test running shoes, it's like, this is sweet. Just literally tie up out the door. I am curious if I can get an honest answer here. Which is, what do you think I've been lying this whole time? I just I just figured that would upset you, so I kind of <laughs> wanted to say it. Um, so, in terms of thinking maybe about goals, you've really not said anything about this yet. I'm curious if you have some, if you're willing to share any, if you're going to actually claim you have none, but both, like or either, when it comes to running or the schemo side of things. So I was super psyched to get back into running last year and last summer I ran a couple races overseas and I did a couple of local races and that was awesome um you know the hardest the biggest challenge I'm finding right now with racing is 
I have a kid and yes, he traveled with me a ton last year, but a one and a half year old on a plane is torturous. And um, also leaving him for overnight is torturous. So I'm trying to find that balance of how much do I race and do I take him? Do I leave him? Um, my parents met me last year, so that was really helpful. Um, but so I'd say one of my biggest goals is to try to get some races that I've really wanted to do and race them this summer. Um, I can't exactly pinpoint what they are because I'm not sure yet, but I would definitely love to get back into the race scene. Um, but I've also one race, one goal I've, I've had now for like three years is I would love to do a race in Antarctica. I have been so lucky to do a race in every continent. Um, and Antarctica is the one continent I haven't hit. And there's a couple races there. And so I would love to try to try to do that. And I would love to run um, a race in Cuba as well. So th- those are so- those are three goals. They're kind of weird goals, but <laughs> yes. <it's- laughs> I'm stunned. I'm stunned by this. You're running <laughs> that your running goals are weird. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, I have to figure out how I'm going to race and travel. But then, you know, if I have the choice, I would love Antarctica and Cuba. Yeah. I'll, can maybe I can be your coach for Cuba which is okay. I'll just go with you. And if, it sounds like all I have to do is drink really hard with you two <laughs> days before the race, which sounds perfect to do in Cuba. Everyone thinks I'm like an alcoholic. I am not an alcoholic. <laughs> I promise. I'm not drinking now. The story was there to, to, to make a point. And I hope you all got that point. Yeah, we maybe did, maybe didn't. Um, shifting gears a little, we've joked a bit about, well, I wasn't joking. I would love to be your running coach in Cuba because I, I, I want to go to Cuba someday. Um, let's do it. Okay. Well, that seems maybe not as simple as saying, let's do it okay. It's, it, this has gotten tricky, hasn't it? Getting into no, Cuba. No, you just need a re- like a, a, a quote-unquote like job or, or oh, like you could say that you're doing work. Stevie's coach. But, yeah, or you're interviewing me after I win the Havana Marathon. This is literally perfect. I'm kidding. I'm really not that cocky, everyone out there. I promise. Well, no, as your coach, you now have to win. We're not going to Cuba for you to not win that marathon. Let's <laughs> Remember be- what I just said about pressure? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Wrong, <laughs> wrong tactic. But seriously, that's how that's how you can go. Just say you're my coach. All right, I'm holding you to it. Okay. So we're really, we've really got this rolling now um, because we <laughs> oh. haven't even brought up the fact that you might actually be kind of my running coach at this upcoming running camp slash event thing that you host here in Crested Butte. So t- what is this event I'm referring to? Tell me this about This is this. the Solomon 11 running experience. And I think we need to focus on the word experience because like what 11 does for their campers in this five, four day period from June 13th to the 16th is incredible. I mean, I, if it were me, I would go merely for the lodging and the food. It is, I mean, I can't even explain or describe how delicious the food is and how amazing the lodging amenities are. Um, But then you add on the trails that we'll be running are going to be breathtaking and the beauty of the camp is it's a very small number of people and they do it on purpose because they want the 
um, like I wouldn't call myself a coach, but the running partner, if you will, ratio with the with the campers to be very small. So this is going to be our I forget if it's our fourth or fifth year doing this. And every year I've had no more than two or three runners with me personally. And it, and we all start at the same trail. But the, the nice thing about trails in Crested Butte are they're dif- they're varying distances and there's a lot of different cutout points. And the lodging staff at 11 will pick you up when and where you want. So if you only want to run four miles, you'll have someone with you, a guide with you that they will call the 11 folks and they will come pick you up when you're ready to go. So it's awesome. And then, you know, we have certain running trails set out and a plan for the day, but in the afternoon, sometimes running, you know, some days we have up to 15, 16, 17 miles, but some people only want to run eight and that's totally fine. And we have other options for you to do like um, stand up paddle boarding, mountain biking. Um, you can get a massage. You can go shopping downtown. You can just ride the lift on Mount Crested Butte. There's so many different options. And so the four days fly. Um, but it's there is no reason for intimidation. We go over different ways to go uphill, downhill, um, eating techniques, what works, what doesn't work for, for some people. And it's just kind of an informational running camp about what you want to know. And you can take part in however much or how little you want. And it's really absolutely incredible. It is so fun. Fun is not the word I would have. I know. No one does. But it really is spectacular. I went, I went with a camper a few years ago and he was just, um, he just had an injury, but he signed up for the camp before the injury, but he still wanted to come. We ended up walking the 10 mile trail that everyone else was running, just him and I, and it was awesome. We had a great time. We talked the whole time and we were greeted at the end of the trail with a sushi lunch at the trailhead. I mean, it was incredible. (laughs) I'm telling you, it is really an experience, an all-around incredible experience. And it's just, ah, the trails are breathtaking where we get to go. Okay, I'm back in. All right. Um, you, I'll, be, I'll be your coach, and then we'll switch in November. For, for Cuba. This is, that's yeah. a fair trade. That is a yeah. fair trade. Okay. Totes. And it's really, it really is helpful. You're, this whole conversation about don't put pressure on, I don't like pressure, it's like, that's good. Cause I, there, there would be a nervousness for me to show up at something like this. So, and I do kind of want to report on this a bit. I mean, it just sounds unique enough, at least to me. And I think if the, if they'd let me, I'd love to talk to some of the participants too. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I figure there's going to be a range of folks and different backgrounds and the rest. So. Oh, we, last year we had someone that was training for a 50 mile in Europe. We had two brothers that one had been running for a really long time um, and the other one hadn't run in a while. His wife was um, pregnant and due any minute. We had, uh, like I said, an injured runner. You have runners that have from all ends of the spectrum. And that's why Eleven does such a good job of having enough guides there that no one feels like they're holding up the group or no one feels like they're not getting a good enough workout in. Everyone is is getting catered to based on what they want, skill, ability, all that. And that's the beauty of this camp, plus the delicious food. <laughs> Perfect. So is there anything that we should talk about before we go? Well, I, you know, the one thing I just wanted to mention real quick is that, um, like, 
if you have a full-time job, you can still run and you can still train for a race. And, you know, it does require in my, in my world getting up early, but in other people's world, it's going to bed a little later maybe. But I mean, like I wake up at 4.30, I run for an hour, I get ready for school, I take my kid to daycare, I go to school, and then I run after school for an hour. And then with him in my Thule, and like my purpose of just saying that is it is still possible. You don't have to, you know, quit your job or take days off to run and just make your, I feel like the shorter your time period that you have to run is just make it a quality workout and don't worry about the quantity of it. And that was some good advice I always got. Um, if you can only do one thing to train for a race, it's um, speed work. Speed work is your best friend when it comes to training for something. And so that's why mornings when I do only have an hour, I try to just make it a really solid hour. Um, and, you know, if I don't have time in the afternoon to run again or do something, I know that I had a great morning workout. So that's just kind of a side note I wanted to add on so people know that it's still possible with a, with a job and a family. Just to make sure I heard you correctly, you are saying sort of as a generalization, you think speed training is more important than number of miles before a race in, in general? And well, so, so I think what, what I was, when I was told that advice and when I, the way I took that is during the week or whatever people's work week looks like, whether that's working Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it may be for me, it's a Monday through Friday job, seven thirty to four o'clock. Um, I, if I only have an hour in the day, I make that a quality workout. I don't go for three miles. And I, I try to add some speed in there. And that doesn't mean speed on the treadmill. That means if I go out on the road even, I'll throw in random one-minute intervals just to get your heart rate going. And that that burst of, of speed can, can help in the long run. I do, however, think it's important to at least a few times get out and, and run longer to get your feet used to running longer, your legs used to running longer, your shoes, you know, make sure they don't get blisters. Like if you're training for a half marathon and you think it's going to take you, let's just say two hours, I think it's important to get at least an hour and 50 minutes on your feet in a row. Um, and a lot of times I don't have time to do that because I, I can't, I feel bad putting my kid in a stroller for two hours. So a lot of times I'll break that up and do two one-hour stints in a day. And that's good because you train your body to run tired. So I, I mean, I think speed work is important, but I also think it's really important, at least, you know, a few times before a bigger race to get, you know, that time on your feet and your, on your legs. Just to clarify, these days, what mileage ranges are you racing in? Are you hitting ultra distances? Are you? No. So what's kind of your, what's your wheelhouse range? Uh, like four hours. So, you know, as many people know, trail races, mountain races, you can't say, you know, like that race I ran in Interlochen, that was a ma mountain marathon, but it was three hours and 20 minutes. I've run a mountain race in China. That was 14 K and it took me two and a half hours, you know, so, so doesn't, it's all dependent on terrain and, and various distances. And a lot of trail runs are 25 Ks. So I would say my ideal race 
is like three to five hours. So 25 to 42 K. So like half, a little over half a marathon to a full marathon. I've done a couple 50 Ks, but that's pushing it over six hours and I'm just done. And are you, are you entering any road races? Um, so I have zero interest in running road. I, it hurts my knees and it's just boring, except I did just sign up for the New York City Marathon. A friend and I are running for the Endometriosis Foundation. So I'm really excited because if I always said if I was going to run another road marathon, it was going to be New York. I think it would, that's just going to be an incredible race. That's a good reason to run on pavement. Yes. Huh. Yes. But I have, I have no desire to run on the road. Trails are just so much more fun to run on. And it's the training towards the road races I don't enjoy. When you're on those trails, when you're running, random question, but I'm definitely curious, running with music, no music, listening to stuff? So I am the farthest thing from a gearhead. And so I do not listen to music. I think everyone's going to push off if they hear what I'm about to say. Do you want to know the playlist on my phone right now? Oh my God. Because I literally have two. Do you want to know what they are? Uh, yeah. One. One. Oh, my God. I said yes out of obligation in case that wasn't clear. One, you know the Now um, series of music? I have Now Christmas. Oh. <laughs> so needless to say, I, I get a little bored of that playlist the whole time time I'm running, so I don't listen to it. <laughs> but I do listen to um, books on tape when I'm, or sorry, books on my phone when I'm running. But but this is this is getting some runners, right? Like, like Brendan, my co-host uh, on this podcast, he is doing a thing where he is just, if he's going running, he is not listening to anything. He's just kind of trying to clue in to his surroundings and the rest. I, I like to run with music mostly because I do not like to hear myself breathe hard. But uh, so you, on your, on these trail runs, you are listening to audiobooks. So I would say 80% of the time I don't listen to anything and not because I, I want to be in tune with myself because I'm a too lazy to make a playlist and B because if I have a minute to run, I literally just run out the door. I don't think about anything else. And I just, it's one of those things I, I don't want to deal if my headphones break or if it's, if my phone falls out of, you know, I just don't want to hold my phone. So that's more. And I love when I do have a book that I really like to read because then I just keep going on my run and I love it. Um, so if I have a good book, I, I, I enjoy listening to it as I run. See, I listen to like podcasts or books for like the first 25 minutes and then things start getting hard for me. And that's when I'm like, all right, it's time to get like the, the motivating music going and turn it up real loud. So I can't hear myself breathing. That's how, that's my practice. Really? Oh yeah. My brain just like, I, I get, yeah, my brain goes to mush basically once I get deep enough into a run and by deep, I'm not it is not an impressive like number of miles <laughs> before before it's just like yeah i'm not comprehending this conversation it's time to just listen to the old playlist so uh, see i'm the opposite well stevie we 
we definitely have more stuff to talk about. And so I, we are definitely going to be doing this again sometime. For anybody who would love to come join Stevie and me at the Solomon 11 Running Experience in our lovely town of Crested Butte here. Uh, the, those dates, I think, are June 13th through the 16th. Yep. And um, I will put a link in the show notes on the website. Anyway, Stevie, this has been really fun. And uh, it's going to be fun to, uh, to do this again down the line. Uh, I like your approach to running, and I think it's going to resonate with a whole lot of folks out there. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this with us. Juan, thanks for your time and have a great rest of your night. Thank you. You too. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Stevie Kramer for the conversation. And thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And you can head on over to 11solomonrunningexperience.com to learn more about that event. And thanks to you for listening. And if you like what you're hearing so far from our new little podcast, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice rating or review in iTunes, share this episode with your friends, or leave us a comment in the show notes to this episode on Blister to let us know what you think. Until next time, keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.